as we open your word this morning, open our hearts, open our minds. May we not be stubborn and rebellious. May we not deny the truth. May you do a work in our lives this morning, because unless you work in our hearts, we will never change. Amen. I want to thank Jim, who played percussion this morning. He's the one who found uh, this way of on YouTube as a song. And I've sung the, the old tune for so long that I said, you know, sometimes when you change the rhythm, you pay more attention to the words. What great words. And uh, I hope you understand. There was one line that said about the right man on our side. And in fact, the M should be capitalized. You know who it's talking about, the right man on our side? Jesus Christ. I'm sorry? One little word. That hymn is uh, one little word from God's word will fell him is Satan. Right? Uh, take a look at that. I think that's, what, that's how I thought it was. Fell who? You're right. What? Correct. We're on the same page. And that's why you need to look at these words and understand what it's saying. One little word of God will drop Satan down. And he also says there are devils filled in this world. So great song with great theology. And praise God. It's written in 1549. Sung by millions in the world in so many different languages. Even this morning, I'm sure, in churches around the world, they just sang this song. And that excites me because uh, that means we're part of God's universal church. This morning, I, I do want to run through what I did last Sunday on the sin of anger and come to the last part of where I think uh, we could find some help for ourselves. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and it's surprising how Scripture tells us, whether it be about sin of anger or other sins, what we're called to do. Look at verse 5, and it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. That responsibility is not on God, it's on you and I to do something about sin. And that's why we're looking at these passages of Scripture. It's not enough for you and I to know that we have a particular sin. God expects us to crucify that, to put to death uh, that which is within us, and it goes through the list. And in our society, we talk a lot about the outward sins of sexual immorality. But look at that list there. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. That's interesting. Covetousness, and I wonder if you and I have that once in a while. Desiring what we don't have, but desiring something better that either someone else has or we wish we had. And then sometimes what happens with that is you work harder, you pick up another job, 
you get into debt on your credit card. Why? Because you want some of the things you don't have. And that is sin. It's got to stop. That's what the Word of God says. Then in verse 7, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. And then in verse 12, it says, not only should you put away, not only should you crucify these sins, but you not need to put on. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness, patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. And so this morning, we want to do two things, and that is to discover have we tolerated this sin of anger in our lives? You know, one of my great blessings, and I shared that in that email that I sent last this week, Gene Glonet, who is 94 years old, on his way out on Sunday morning, was telling me, you know, when I saw that sermon on anger, I didn't think I had any problem with it. But now after listening to you and looking at that list, that insert in the bulletin, he said, that was good that you put that in. And Gene has a way of talking, which I love. That was good that you put it in. Now I must go home and think about it. If at 94 he is willing to look at his life to see if there is the sin of anger, I would rather follow Gene Glonet to live the Christian life than do things in my own. And uh, one of the other responses I've got is from, actually from a lot of the seniors in our church, and that's kind of surprised me. I'm not surprised, but one of the ladies came to send me an email and said, I didn't realize I have the kind of anger that I keep within myself and don't tell anybody. And actually, if you, if you met this person, she's the sweetest lady in this church, among all the other sweetest ladies. I nearly got myself into trouble. But since you don't know who I'm talking about, it could be you. Uh, and she's so right. And I, my response to her was, you know what, thank you for sharing. And she asked that I would pray for her, and I said I would. I said, would you pray for me too? Because my kind of anger, you will know when I get angry. I will get loud. I'll get, uh, you know, I get worked up a little. Very obvious. And uh, I've been praying that God would help me. But I notice something else that's happening within me. That's changing to, you know what? The quiet anger. Where I don't want to express it. And I suddenly realized that's not a choice. It's not whether you express it or not. It's whether you have anger within you. And so this morning, let's look into God's Word. So, we saw last week, and worthy of repetition, in the correct context, there is a place for anger. And we said it's one of those interesting sins that in its correct context, it's a virtue. And why do we say that? Uh, because God's created us in His image. God gets angry. He gets angry about sin. He gets angry against injustice in this world. And His anger, which is righteous, 
is the kind of anger that he wants us to have. And the question I have for us this morning is, do we get angry like God for the things that God gets angry about? And I think most of us didn't even realize that we're supposed to get angry about some things because we've looked at anger and we've said, all anger is sin. Have you done that? You've never even considered that, you know, there is a place for anger. The reason is because all of us, by default, think all anger is sin. No, all anger is not sin. Because Psalm 4 and Ephesians 4 verse 26 says, Be ye angry, but do not sin. And therein lies the balance. And I said last Sunday, it's almost like standing on one leg for a very long time. You've got to balance it. If you are angry, which is another translation. In other words, there will be moments that you're provoked to anger. Provoked to anger means tempted, right? Remember, I've always been saying there's a difference between tempted and actually responding. You can be tempted with covetousness, with lust. You can be tempted with pride. Oh, yesterday I was so often tempted with pride. And I know when it's coming because we had at least seven or eight people who confessed that they want to accept Christ as their Savior. One of them being Debbie's brother, who they prayed for years. Now, what typically happens after a service like that? People come and say nice things to me. Well-meaning. Because God worked and they think it's because of me. No, it's not because of me. God worked. Now, what do I do with that? And as I'm hearing it on my way home, at home, I say, God, you know, this was crazy. You used me and I'm not worthy. So what's my point? Could be tempted with pride, but how I respond to it is whether I've sinned or not. So you could get angry, but if you express it or you let it work within you, you've sinned. And we said that God does get angry not only with sin. And I had someone who came to me on Tuesday and said, did you really mean that God could get angry with even Christians? That's a good question, isn't it? We know God gets angry with pagans to such an extent that they end up in hell. That's the truth. He does not, I mean, he's a nice God. He doesn't want anyone to perish, right? Christ died for everyone. But to those who don't want it, he says, too bad. So the question that was asked of me is, that is kind of an anger of God that sends people. Does God get angry with us who are believers? And my point is, yes, God could get angry with you and I. You know how it manifests itself? He doesn't then change his mind and say, you're going to hell. His anger on our sins takes the form of discipline. And the reason I say that is you cannot separate the sin in your life from your life. And sometimes we do that. We think, oh, I'll, I'll be a good person. I'll read my Bible. I'll do ministry. I'll hold on to good doctrine. But a little sin in my life is not going to affect 
this nice part of me. And my point of saying God gets angry not only with the sin, but the sinner is, that is a myth. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, God could do something in your life. God will discipline you. And that kind of discipline on your life can be painful. It will affect not only you, it might even affect your family. Do you realize that? If I sin, okay, let's play it on me. If I sin something that gets God absolutely upset, tell me, give me, indulge in me for a moment. What could happen? I know you don't mean this to me, but if I sin something that was horrible, what could happen? First thing God would do is he would say, get down from that pulpit and don't preach again, right? What did that do to God's church at that moment? Brings, brings pain on God's body, right? Now, if it was one of those horrible sins, what do you think is going to happen next Monday morning in the newspapers and on the internet? It's going to be talked about, right? Who am I bringing shame to at that point? Christ. Do you think it might affect my family? You, you see where the drift is? Sin is not an entity that hangs by itself. It affects your life. It affects the people around you. So God does get angry with sin. Why? Because he won't compromise. He won't say, oh, you know, you're such a nice person. I, I don't want to hurt you. If it takes hurt to get your and my attention, he will do it. Why? Because it is a loving father who disciplines. You don't discipline your neighbor's kids, do you? You discipline your own because uh, you love your own children. So when we talk about sin, I hope you take sin seriously. One of the disfavors in our churches today is we don't talk about two Two categories. One is we don't talk much about sin today. And the other thing that's going out of some churches is they don't even talk about Jesus. And that's related, isn't it? If you don't want to talk about sin, you don't need Jesus, right? Jesus came to the world to die for sinners. So God does get angry with sinners. And we saw the different kinds of anger, and I hope that's something that educates you and I. The easiest kind is the blow-up kind. When someone gets loud or they get angry or they flail their hands or the color on their face turns, that's the easiest anger to recognize. Not only for the person getting angry, but also for the person who's on the receiving end, right? There's another kind of anger. That's the burn-up kind. Where you wouldn't know a thing from the person's face, the tone of voice, the volume. But that person's festering inside. And we saw uh, how that manifests. That's the pouting kind. The pouting kind person is not loud. Uh, they're not going to talk about, and they're not really burning inside, but they're the kinds of people who say, I'm taking my toys and going home. Uh, you find Christians like that. They get upset, and you know what they do? Leave church and go. They won't talk to you, but they just pick up and go and go somewhere else. That's anger. It's a sin. And I hope, let me lovingly tell you, if you ever get upset in this church, which I'm sure you will, you know why? 
because we're a bunch of sinners here. If you ever get upset about something, talk to the person. Talk to me. Most things can be resolved. But the pouting kind, you know, they won't talk, they'll show around. And we saw in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, where God went to Cain, and Cain had an opportunity in life. Cain, God went to Cain and asked Cain, as if God didn't know. This is an interesting place when how God comes to people, right? When he came to Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? You think God didn't know? He comes to Cain and he says, Cain, what are you pouting about? And that's the word used. Why is your face down? And the sad part about that question is that Cain did not use that opportunity to say, I'm upset about something and do something about it. He didn't do anything about it and went out and killed his brother. And the general theme we're going for is, if you let anger reside in you in any form, and take a look at some of those ways. I've got an insert for you that shows you different kinds of anger, and it also shows you different styles in how you express anger. And if you see yourself in anything, please take it seriously. Because the worst thing you can do for yourself is to deny the, the sin within you. And so, where we're driving for is, if you have this in your life, it will do, it'll do a lot of things to you. Number one, it'll cloud your thinking. Isn't it hilarious sometimes, as long as it's not directed to you, when you watch angry people outside, at some point, it's ridiculous, the stuff that comes out of them about the way they act. And if you can distance yourself, in fact, the Bible calls an angry person a fool. That's hard words, right? And that's coming from a guy who could get angry. I don't want to be called a fool. And a fool is not one who is intellectually not studied, not a guy, just because a guy doesn't know a lot of stuff, that doesn't make you a fool. A fool is someone who acts and does stuff that don't make any sense. And we saw in Psalm 37, verse 8, anger leads to other kinds of sin. And the example I used last week, I'll use again this week. You come and tell me something and I get upset about it. And suppose you were absolutely mean to me. You know what's the possibility? I hope I don't do it. But some people do this. They go and tell someone else, right? What did that turn into? What sin is that? Gossip. And then the next time, a couple of weeks later, you see that there's a need in that person. And you sit back and you say, that person deserves it. And you don't go out and help. That just became another sin, right? So it takes different forms. So the sin of anger doesn't rest in itself. It takes different forms. There's a quote from Buddha. And I said last week, I've never quoted Buddha at Nishamni Valley Baptist Church. But this is a good one. It says, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. 
you are the one who is getting burnt. Absolutely true. You hold on to anger, and the biblical principle is, I hope we all can practice it, do not let the sun go down in your anger. Almost to say you're, you're permitted to stay angry till sundown. You carry it beyond that, you've sinned. But it's like a hot burning coal. Irrespective of how you express it or don't, it eventually burns you up more than does harm to someone else. And here's the worst of everything. And if I can get your attention on this one, it should put fear into you. You wonder because you're a, because you're a child of God, does Satan have any role in your life? You sometimes think he doesn't. And Satan is smart enough to know he's not going to change you on your doctrine. You know the Word of God enough. If you keep coming here, you'll be reminded of the truth of God. You're not going to change there. There's even a great possibility that you will never commit any of those heinous sins out there. You're not going to rob a bank. You're not going to sleep with someone. You're not going to murder someone. He knows that. So how could he get into your life? Anger. Because it says, do not let the sun go down in your anger, lest it gives Satan a foothold. Let me ask you the question, and it's the same question that gives you if you go camping. If you allow the camel to put his nose into the camp, what's going to be happening? The camel and you will be sleeping next to each other all through the night. You let Satan get a foothold into your life, you will not be able to stop him from doing all kinds of things in your life. That's a good reason why you should take very seriously the sin of anger. It has nothing to do with whether you are going to express it to someone else. It's like a cancer. More than a cancer, you are allowing the prince of this world to come into your life. And if I asked you, would you let Satan into your life, you'd look at me and say, are you crazy? Oh, you could let Satan into your life, and some of you probably have. You didn't realize it. You have anger. Be careful. It's dangerous. So what can you do about anger? And this is where I want to give you some biblical solutions. James chapter 1 verse 19. And this is one of those verses, especially those of you who got new Bibles today. This is one of those verses you should underline, you should highlight, you should memorize. Because James chapter 1 verse 19 tells us, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How interesting that God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? Imagine if he made our faces in a way that we had two mouths and one ear. Well, sometimes that's how we behave. We talk much more than we hear. And notice the solution is, and you know this if you have any form of anger, 
It does not say do not get angry. When you get angry, slow down. Slow the speed. And I'm going to give you ways that practical ways in which you probably can do this. Uh, the second thing is don't fan the flame. How many a conversation could have been ended a long time ago till it escalated, right? What happens? One person gets angry, and then you ask a question on that, and you get a response, and then you get angry, and then you defend. The other person accuses more. It just builds up, isn't it? And part of what you can do for your own self, don't add to the fire. You know, when you're accused of something, how easy to go back and say, but you did this, even though it's not related to the topic you're talking about. What are you doing? You're just fanning the flame. It's only going to get worse. Thirdly, Psalm 37 verse 8. And here's part of what I think some of us really have to know. Because we come up with excuses. The other person made me angry. No one can make you angry. Anger is a choice. Now, I'm going to repeat again. Can someone tempt you to get angry? Absolutely. But your response is a choice. And Psalm 37 verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. Notice it says, fret not yourself. Who's doing the fretting? You're doing it. No one's doing it to you. You sit and you brood and you get angry and it just festers on and on. And it says, fret not yourself. For it tends only to evil. Anger, folks, is a choice. And you should do yourself a favor and repeat that over and over again. I have a choice not to get angry. Because you cannot change the other person who's getting angry. That's totally in God's hands, isn't it? Have you ever convinced someone else... Uh, uh, all the time on some point? No. Uh, so be careful about blaming other people. Even if they are the cause for your anger, your response is your choice. And we saw already uh, a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, uh, you can do something about your anger. You can attend an anger management school. Do you know that? There are there are counselors who can help you. And if you need help, the smartest thing you can do is go and tell someone and get help. That's how dangerous it is. You've got to do something. Because it will ruin you spiritually. Just this one sin. Uh, and if you need help, that's why Scripture is so practical. It says, confess your sins one to another. I think I can put Joe on the spot because he puts me on the spot. Even at his mother's funeral, he made fun of me, but it was taken in good spirit by both of us. Uh, while we were talking on this, visiting with them on Debbie's mother's funeral thing, and I was talking about what we're doing in this series on anger, and Joe said, you know what, my anger looks like this, and he explained that. 
And the moment I heard about that, you know, I didn't think lower of him. You know that? When he told me that, you know, his kind of anger is one particular kind, his respect, my respect of Joe didn't fall. You know what it did? It actually went up. What was he doing? Confessing his sin. And because I know that, guess what I can do for Joe? Pray for him, right? If we love each other, he and I should be able to, at this point, both of us knowing, hey, we've got this enough anger that can erupt. We can actually do each other a favor by A, praying for each other, two, checking on each other. But that comes from a place of confession. To say, you know what, I'm going to confess my sins not only to God, but I'm not embarrassed in a place of love. Be careful who you confess your sins to. Don't walk into your boss's office tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I have a problem with anger. (laughs) When your renewal for employment comes up, he'll say, you know what, why don't you deal with that, find another job. So be careful of who you confess your sins with. Uh, But when you confess your sins one to another, it's part of God's way of dealing with sin. And so get rid of anger. Which brings me, how do you deal with other people? We're talking about what do you do for yourself. And all those things there is about yourself. If you're getting angry and you're you're a person who holds on to anger, I've given you five, four things that you can do. Check your breathing. I know when I get angry, you know, before the words come out, you know what happens to me? My breathing increases. You've got to find out. You've got triggers that you yourself will know. But slow that down. So, with others, and this, now this doesn't work in the family. So, listen to what Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. And that very simply says, you know what? If you have a friend or a distant relative who is an angry person, you know what's the cure for that? Draw boundaries. Actually keep them at a distance. And this is where some of us need to learn. Being loving to other people does not mean they can do anything to you and I. Some people don't have boundaries. They don't have the Spirit of God working in them. They will ruin your life. And with those kinds of people, this proverb says, uh, make no friendship with them. And I know some of you might say, oh, I want to win them for Christ. I want to be a witness. You know how you be a witness? With good boundaries and at a distance. Now that's why I said, That doesn't work for in your family. If you have a spouse who gets angry or a child who gets angry or a parent who gets angry, don't just say, oh, the pastor said, you know what, we've got to keep a distance. You're in that room, I'm in this room. No, God's called you to a life of living together and growing together. Secondly, here's something that you can do is ignore the angry word. I'm not going to read those verses, but just before David was going to meet up with Goliath, you remember the story? He landed up there, and his brothers were surprised he was there. 
Eliab, his brother, it says, his anger was kindled against David. And he says, why have you come down? You know what David does? Doesn't engage with his brother's anger. But instead, he does a little explaining. But in verse 47, he directs his passion to saying, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hand. And so if there's an angry person or an angry moment in your life where someone's just saying stuff that irk you, you have a choice of respectfully not responding. You can ignore or you can direct it in a way that you're not caught in this frenzy of anger. Thirdly, here's a practical thing. Try this. Usually, and this works with people whose volume increases. And I notice when I get angry with someone or someone gets angry with me, you know what happens to me? My volume also increases. And then it becomes a yelling match. The hard part is when someone else's anger increases. Uh, Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer, a gentle answer, a quiet answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, fans up anger. You see how you can draw boundaries with other people? Fourthly, Again, this is what David did. And let me read this uh, part, part of Scripture because this is a real situation in which David was caught in. And the story context is the Amalekites just raided the city. They put the city on fire. They took away wives and children of the Israelites. And verse 6 of First Samuel chapter 30 says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in their soul, each for his own son and daughter. And you can almost picture that, right? Your wife and your children have been taken as slaves by the Amalekites. And you get angry with David, ready to stone him. You know what Scripture says David did? But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You sometimes cannot do anything for an angry person. What you can do for yourself is go and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Because often, anger has a lot to do with control. Why do you get angry? Because you're losing control. You're not having your say. It's not going your way. And so when that comes up, what you can do is actually go and find yourself in the presence of God. As I said last week, when Moses was called by God, and do you think God knew Moses well enough? Absolutely. Moses' first excuse was, you know what, I can't speak. And God said, I've got, 
I've taken care of it. I've got Aaron, your brother, who's going to be your mouth for you. And Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, actually says, God got angry with Moses. Why? Because even after God told him, I've got a mouth for you and Aaron, Moses again came back with an excuse. And Scripture says, God got angry. God got angry with an excuse that Moses put up because God gave him a promise after knowing his context. What's my point? Don't make an excuse for your anger. Don't blame your spouse, your child, or your parent, or your employer. God knows all of them. Do you know that? And sometimes God has placed them deliberately in our lives so that God would build character in us. There is no excuse for anger. Not even the quiet anger, the pouting anger, the sulking anger, the anger that flies off a handle. There is no, because that kind of anger is sin, period. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. If you don't intentionally fall at the feet of God and say, help me repent of your sin, there is someone else got a foothold in your life and he'll press it hard. He'll come into other areas of your life. You'll be a worse mess. And with someone who does get tempted on anger, let me tell you that God can help you. Got to be intentional. You've got to do something about it. You've got to do something else so that instead of anger, God fills you with gentleness, self-control. Isn't that a fruit of the Spirit? You need the Spirit of God. And the more you fill yourself with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, guess what happens? The fruit of the Spirit starts to work in your life. You cannot continue with sin. And if you're continuing with sin, it not only is an issue about your sin, but it also says something else about your life, and that is the Word of God and the Spirit of God are not working. Because if it's at work, it will do something about sin. And praise be to God that we have a helper in Christ, isn't it? You cannot do anything for yourself. Give up. I cannot do anything for myself. But Christ has done something for us. And he wants us to be holy. Don't compromise. Work with him. Surrender to him. Don't be ashamed of your sin. Confess it. And I would also encourage you, find someone in the body of Christ who you can confess it. You'll get someone to pray for you. You've got to use God's ways of working with sin, and you will find victory. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a moment of silence. I think I was very clear on the nature of this sin, what it can do in your life, and I wonder this morning, 
if you habitually have not only wrestled with the sin, but you've allowed the sin to almost define your personality. And may I gently give you ways in which you probably should ask yourself, here's a question I have for you. What have other people said about you? Loving people, forget those who criticize, but has anyone called you an angry person? Well, you may be one. In Christ's love, may I invite you to repent. Give up that battle of trying to look good when this sin has got a foothold in you. You can be better. That's what I want to point you to. Christ can do a work in you. But you've got to put to death this sin. And confession is what leads to repentance. Repentance is what leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness is what leads to healing. Do you want to be healed? Christ can do a work in you. Would you ask the Lord? Father, even as much as we talk about sin and it sometimes makes us feel horrible, we thank you for a Savior. That there is no sin that can overtake us. Give us hope. And what I feel, whether this morning or in the days of my life, how kind of you to love people like us. We are embarrassed about our sin, and yet you lovingly call us your children. So would you kindly work in us to make us a people after your own heart? Not only to be holy, but from where we are right now, one step better, and that is to get angry over sin. I do commit into your hands those that you have convicted this morning. This is absolutely private between they and you. I trust you to do a great work. In Jesus' name, amen.